Hello and welcome to WaveScan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio. Researched and written in Indianapolis by Dr. Adrian Peterson and produced in the studios of WRMI Shortwave in Okeechobee, Florida. I'm Jeff White. This is edition NWS 584 for release on Sunday, May 3rd, 2020. On WaveScan today, the Greenland story, the good ship Morrissey, and its Arctic voyages. We'll go back to the High Frequency Coordination Conference in Malaysia and our Japan DX reports. The longest continuous series of expeditions to the Arctic was conducted aboard the fishing schooner that was registered under the name of a girl who was born in Canada in the year 1877. This small, though quite famous, ship was in use for a total of 20 annual expeditions into Arctica beginning in 1926. It's now a registered National Historic Landmark in the United States. And it is the official state ship for the American state of Massachusetts. Ray Robinson now goes back to the beginning. Thanks, Jeff. William Ed Morrissey was born in Lower East Pubnico in Nova Scotia, Canada on August 17, 1845. In 1867, the 22-year-old Edward Morrissey married the 16-year-old Caroline Larkin, and in the course of time they gave birth to five children, three boys and two girls. The second youngest child was a girl, and she was named Effie Maud Morrissey. On February 1, 1894, a two-masted, gaff-rigged, 150-foot-long fishing schooner was launched at the shipbuilding yards of James and Tar at Essex in Massachusetts. This new fishing vessel was locally designed and constructed for the Wonson Fish Company, with William Edward Morrissey as its first captain. He named this new ship the F.E.M. Morrissey, in honour of his pretty 17-year-old daughter, Effie Maud Morrissey. In its very first fishing season, the fishing ship F.E.M. Morrissey brought in nearly 40 tonnes of fish, which handsomely paid for its construction. Captain William E. Morrissey died in 1913 at the age of 67, and during the following year, 1914, the ship was sold to new owners in Newfoundland. Give 13 more years to 1926, and with the installation of a new diesel engine, Robert Bartlett was ready to take the ship up north in its first annual exploration tour of Arctic areas. On this historic first expedition, the FEM Morrissey was taken up north through Baffin Bay and along the west coast of Greenland as far as Etar on the northwest tip of the island. At one stage, Etar, just 20 miles across the frozen waters from the Canadian island of Ellesmere, was the most northerly inhabited location in the world. This first northerly expedition was financed and led by author and publisher George Putnam, who subsequently married the well-known, though tragic, aviatrix Amelia Earhart five years later. 
This northern expedition into Greenland was made on behalf of the American Museum of Natural History in New York City and the University of Michigan at Ann Arbor in Michigan. There were two major purposes for this expedition, collecting specimens of Arctic sea life and establishing plans for subsequent expeditions to the same areas. During the 20 years that the FEM Morrissey conveyed annual expeditions to the Arctic, more than a dozen of these voyages were specifically to various areas of Greenland itself. All of these expeditions were funded by the Smithsonian Institution in Washington, D.C., and by similar institutions associated with geography, exploration, museum collections, and natural sciences. During the 1933 expedition to northwest Greenland, the Morrissey ship was temporarily impounded by the British while it was traversing Canadian waters without proper papers. This legal infringement was corrected when the ship returned to the waters of New York City at the end of that summer voyage. On half a dozen other occasions, the Morrissey ship voyaged into northern Canadian territories along the northern seacoast of Labrador, and in particular to the two large islands called Baffin and Ellesmere. During the latter part of World War II, the Morrissey was taken over by the American authorities and it was used under charter to convey needed supplies to American forces on duty at Frobisher Bay on Baffin Island and at nearby Ungava on the northern Quebec coast. Upon every occasion during its 20 years of service in the Arctic, radio was in use aboard the FEM Morrissey for operational communications, for the transmission of news to supporting newspapers in the United States, for the relay of live broadcasts to the medium-wave networks in the United States, and for amateur radio QSL communications worldwide. Due to international radio regulations, two radio operators were aboard the Morrissey on each expedition. The first radio operator was Edward B. Manley, who operated the equipment aboard the Morrissey for 10 years, from the very first Northern Expedition in 1926 up until during the year 1935. During the 1926 Summer Expedition, Manley sent regular dispatches to the New York Times under the ship's original call sign VOQ. Then, during the following year, Radio Broadcast magazine in October 1927 printed a picture showing the ship's shortwave radio equipment. Six years later, a 1933 QSL card shows the use of a modified call sign, now VOQH. The main transmitter was a 250-watt Morse code unit, and the receiver was a Hamiland Comet Pro from New York. Three years later again, in August 1936, a QSL card shows the official call sign aboard the Morrissey in northeast Greenland as W10XDA, and the equipment was a 100-watt radiophone transmitter together with a new Hameland receiver, the Crystal Pro. In 1941, the Morrissey was in use for another northern expedition, this time on behalf of NBS, the National Bureau of Standards. MBS operates the International Standard Kronohertz Station, WWV, and at that time a new shortwave station was under construction at Beltsville, Maryland, just a few miles northeast of Washington, D.C. On this expedition, three personnel represented NBS, including the rather well-known northern explorer Louise Boyd. 
The radio operator, Mr. T.A. Carroll, was seconded from the United States Coast Guard. This voyage took the Morrissey north through Baffin Bay, the expanse of water between Greenland and its western islands, and several of Canada's far northeastern islands. During this voyage, local magnetic levels were noted, together with associated shortwave monitoring observations. While located along the northern coast of Baffin Island, a very large black sunspot was noted, and this resultant emanation from the sun caused a sensational manifestation of the Aurora Borealis northern lights, and also a total radio blackout that lasted for two weeks. Back to you, Jeff. Thank you very much, Ray Robinson at KVOH in Los Angeles. Recently on Wayscan, Jerry Plummer of WWCR and I were discussing the opening day of the HFCC A20 Shortwave Frequency Coordination Conference in Malaysia. We were talking about reception reports from listeners. Today we continue that conversation. Now, do you ever get ones that are frequencies that are not yours? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. That, that, and, and sometimes, and it's and particularly for this program for WaveScan oh, because oh, yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. they may hear something about WWCR, WRMI, or KVOH or whatever, and they'll they'll send us a report, but it will be like a, a transmission from KSDA in Guam, yeah, right, or right. something like that, you know. Because so. we do mention the different freak, you know, mm-hmm. stations and stuff, and AWR, uh, of course, buys relay time for many of their transmissions on different sites oh, around the world, yeah, yeah. and this program Wavescan goes out goes on out. from those sites. So I mean, so, you know, I think about it and I say, that's no, not our frequency, but I'll bet it was heard, legitimately heard, mm-hmm. uh, from one of the AWR leased outfits or mm-hmm. or any of them because we we're not certainly not hesitant about mentioning the names of the stations that that it goes out on it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's kind of <laughs> interesting. Well, I'm sorry. I just wondered if you run into that. You know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a you know a, a dilemma sometimes. I guess. I mean, I remember back to the, you know the days when you and I were kids, DXers, and wanted the QSL cards. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And all that. Oh yeah. And, uh, they were nice. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the the world is different now. You know. It's, mm-hmm. uh, but you still like them. You know, yeah. You know, these yeah. guys that send them in. Oh, and then of course you get the reports from people who. Uh, don't even hear it on an SDR. They just hear it on online. Oh yeah, and they want a QSL card. Yeah, and you think no, that's, that's <laughs> tough, man. It's tough but because I, we're yeah. a lot of us are out there on very different, many types of mm-hmm. you know, uh, internet related stuff. Yeah, because uh, you there's so many different ways now. It used to be. No, but it's still okay. I mean, they're still listening to us, and, and that's that's the key. <laughs> that's the important thing, that's, right? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, it is, man. It is. <laughs> we also, you know, it might be worth mentioning that uh, um, a lot of people listen to WaveScan uh, on the podcasts. Oh, they do, oh, which they are do, yeah. uh, put on the AWR website mm-hmm. every week. And, oh, yeah, uh, that's an, yet another place mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. Uh, you know. I, you think about it, WaveScan is really on a lot of different uh, media. Mediums, mm-hmm. you know, if you will, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, a lot of shortwave. Uh, I mean, like even IRRS, you know, from Italy. Yeah, yeah which actually sometimes is Romania. That That's that, right. You know, that comes from. Right. Yeah, yeah. So you're never quite sure sometimes where these programs are coming from, mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. I'm sure that's confusing for uh, listeners, particularly beginning shortwave oh, yeah, listeners. Yeah. You know. Uh, I've also, along those lines, and I'll quit beating on it, but I've noticed uh, getting QSL reports from 
younger guys who are just starting to get into the shortwave. Have you noticed that some of that too? Yeah, yeah. They say that uh, you know, shortwave is a dying medium, and that only old people listen. Mm -hmm. But uh, there are a lot of young kids oh, who yeah, are yeah. still beginning listeners. We got one just last week from a, a guy who was 19 and had sent in a uh, mp3 recording of us and he said that he was so he just got the radio that day and said he was so excited that he uh got in his car and drove to his grandfather's house to turn it on just so his grandfather could hear you know that he'd heard it and so i'd like to see some young guys coming in learning yeah, about that yeah. you know you know another thing we get a lot of is people uh who uh say that they've just come across an old radio. Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah and, and I mean, yeah. I'm talking about some really old radios oh, back like from the 30s, yeah, 40s, you know. You know, the, the tube things, you know. Uh-huh, and they'll say, you know, I just found this thing, I just turned it on, I've been tuning right across the mountain. you're the first station I've heard. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. And I mean, some of those radios have been setting up for 30, 40, 50 years, yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, and they said, I heard these sounds coming out of it. And then you identified yourself. And I'm just literally flabbergasted <laughs> that I'm, I'm hearing something like that. Yeah, yeah. So it's, uh, for, a, for a dying breed, we're, we still got our moments, I guess. And there right? are a lot of people who, who used to be shortwave listeners who, for one reason or another, got out of the... The, the I won't say hobby, but mm -hmm. activity or whatever right. for many years, and then all of a sudden they discover it again, uh, and and now they're second they're awakening, back yeah. Again. yeah, second wave. I, I get some of those like that too. But I guess it's because of the advent of you know the less expensive, you know, these uh -huh. cheaper short waves now are really technologically pretty mm -hmm. pretty good. Yeah, you know, well, I mean that seven dollar one she's got, picking up all kinds of things and. Uh, the one didn't you a couple of years ago when you, uh, you were in maybe uh, Kenya or somewhere that you said that you could find all kinds of radios Nigeria Nigeria yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. you said there was all kinds of radios beginning three to five at like three dollars yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah well the one I'm using uh, uh, I paid more for shipping than I paid for <laughs> the radio and it actually still works pretty good yeah <laughs> you know here in here in uh, Malaysia I got one of these uh, smart watches I've yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. for the first time i'm using it and i'm just wondering how long it's going to be until these uh, smart watches can pick up shortwave <laughs> that's good you got a good point because technology is advancing at a very very rapid pace and you know when you and i were growing up back in the 1800s they were they, <laughs> they called them dick tracy watches you remember yeah that? yeah yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and that one of yours looks like a dick tracy watch yeah, it but does. yeah it, and apparently you can connect it to your phone and, uh, oh, and yeah. make phone calls you can make and things phone calls and all uh, that stuff. I, i'm not sophisticated enough to figure that out yet but uh it, it's can. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. Yeah, I remember when I was a kid and yeah. I saw his, he had that two-way radio on his, uh, I thought, this is amazing, you know, mm -hmm. and I hear you're wearing mm -hmm. one in Malaysia, you know. Yeah. Now if I could just pick up uh, WRMI on it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but it won't be very long, I'm sure. No, they're, yeah. they're, they're really so making man. a, and you know, over here, of course, where we are is sort of a, uh, maybe not the hotbed of technological creativity, but it's certainly the hotbed of technological manufacturing mm -hmm. because there is just tons of stuff over here that's, uh, you know. Yeah. Uh, and I'm I'm going tomorrow to look at some of these lesser lights because I bet there's I bet you can find shortwave radios here too. You know. I'll bet you can. I bet yeah. I bet you I bet mm -hmm. you do. Yeah. Well, sorry to go, veer off so much. It's just, uh, <laughs> well, it's interesting though. And so, well, anyway, this is only the first day of the conference yes, as we yes, record yes. this. Uh, 
uh, four more days to go. Right. But um, uh, we're off to a good start. Yeah, we are. And one of the things that we've been able to do for the first time in KL, uh, I guess over the last four or five times we've been here over the years, uh, sort of as a token of appreciation to the the smaller group that showed up, we're, we're throwing them a dinner this time around. So, we're, yeah, yeah, we're, yeah, we're going to be able to provide a dinner for them. And, uh, that's this good. is we're we're in a, a hotel called the Melia, which mm-hmm. is a Spanish chain from yeah, Spain. It is, yeah. And there's a Spanish restaurant here in the, Malaysia. In right. Malaysia, yeah. and the uh, the the head of food and beverage here is from Spain. Yeah, actually from the Canary Islands. Right. And um, yeah, and you so you were conversing with him today in Spanish. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah, he's right. putting together a dinner for us um, um, upstairs at the at the Spanish restaurant mm-hmm. uh, for Wednesday night. So. Yeah, but it's kind of a good thing for the uh, the hardcores that made it. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it's sort of a way to kind of thank them a little bit just for making it. Exactly, and, and I guess, it, and it's all sort of made possible by. Uh, uh, a, a sponsorship grant from uh, Continental Electronics. It really uh, is. Which is the, I guess, the only company left in the U.S. and one of the few in the world that still makes high powered shortwave transmitters. Well, they just made one about a year ago, a 500 kilowatt. You We've know. talked about it, yeah, yeah but uh, uh, WBCQ yeah, in Maine. In Monticello, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And thanks to a, um, uh, a sponsorship of them, we were able to add a little bit to it and, and be able to have a dinner for everybody this time. It's yeah. sort of a show of appreciation that yeah. uh, they were here. But, yeah, it's a Spanish place in Malaysia. <laughs> uh, but a, you were conversing with him quite fluently. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah. He's from, the, he's from the Canary Islands, and it's part of Spain, but they speak a uh, different uh, style of Spanish there. It's more right. like the Latin American Spanish. Yeah, which you was able to yeah. understand pretty <laughs> clearly, yeah. Uh, nice guy, anyway, and uh, uh, and so we're looking forward to the Spanish dinner with paella and all that stuff. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to work out well. Uh, and and again, I guess you could say, uh, given everything that's happened at this conference, it was a successful first day. I think so. Uh, I think we did okay, and we're looking forward to bringing more of these wave scans with you. You know, during the week, we our full intent is to report on what we're doing each time while we're here. Okay. Well, thanks, Jerry. All right. Thanks a lot. I'll see you later, Jeff. I was speaking there with Jerry Plummer, the frequency manager for WWCR Shortwave in Tennessee and for the Caribbean Beacon in Anguilla. We'll have more from the HFCC A20 conference in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, next week. In a recent edition of Radio World, Hans Johnson has an interesting item about Russia returning to DRM on shortwave. He says Russia has resumed digital radio mondial broadcasts on shortwave. The country originally aired the Voice of Russia via DRM a few years ago. The new service is tentatively called Radio Purga, or Radio Blizzard. The target area is the Chukotka region of the Russian Far East. Analog shortwave transmissions once served the area, but those ended in the early 2000s when the broadcaster left analog shortwave. Chukotka is vast, and the target audience only numbers a few thousand. Thus, shortwave is used to broadcast Voice of Russia's analog programming and is now being used for the DRM program. The new service is a joint project between the government in Chukotka and the Far Eastern Regional Center of the Russian Television and Radio Broadcasting Network. Using DRM for Radio Purga has several advantages over analog shortwave, Radio Porga, over DRM, for example, offers a static-free and higher-fidelity signal.
Studies have shown that DRM is just as reliable as analog shortwave over this distance via single hop transmission. The broadcaster is considering transmitting two audio programs from a single DRM transmitter. This is something analog shortwave can't do. It's also planning on using DRM's ability to transmit short text message or a type of RSS feed called journaline. DRM transmissions use also only a quarter of the power that analog transmissions do. We have in these remote places 2,000 residents who need to be provided with communication services. The Northern Sea Route also requires attention, said Roman Kopin, the governor of Chukotka, last spring when the project was initiated, according to a Russian press report. In addition to mariners on the Northern Sea Route, the audience includes geologists, miners, reindeer herders, and hunters. Thanks to Hans Johnson at Radio World for that item. Let's go now to Tokyo. Here's Yukiko Tsuji with her DX News for this month. Hello and welcome to the DX Report of the Month from Japan Showtape Club, edited by Toshi Otake and I'm Yukiko Tsuji. We have several DX reports from our club members this week. Voice of Indonesia, Palankalaya, was heard on 3325 kHz on March 27th from 2015 to 2021 UTC in French. SIO rating was 333. Talk and music programs were on the air. VOA via Udon Thani, Thailand, was heard on 9350 kilohertz on April 5th from 1140 to the sign-off at 1200 UTC. SIO rating was 353. Slow speed English program was broadcast. Bible voice broadcasting via Dushanbe, Kazakhstan, was received on 11550 kilohertz on April 3rd from the sign-on at 1300 to the sign-off at 1315 UTC in English. SIO rating was 353. Pray the Lord program was on the air. BBC via Oman was heard on 7205 kilohertz on April 6th at 2158 with interval signal to the sign-off at 2300 UTC in English. SIO rating was 454. World News was aired at 2200, followed by Newsroom at 2206, News at 2230, and World Business Report at 2232. NHK World Radio Japan via Ardavia, UAE, was heard on 11830 kilohertz on April 3rd, from the sign-on at 1400 to the sign-off at 1430 UTC in English. SIO rating was 353. NHK Newsline was broadcast, followed by Easy Japanese at 1415. Voice of Turkey was received on 9875 kilohertz on April 2nd, from 2045 to the sign-off at 2125 UTC in English. SIO rating was 343. Local pop music and promotion announcements were aired. Interval signal was played at 2118. Radio Romania International was heard on 15130 kHz on March 31st from 1130 to the sign-off at 1150 UTC in English. SIO rating was 352. 
local pop music, and DX mailbag were on the air. Vatican Radio was heard on 7360 kilohertz on April 10th from 1854 to 1910 UTC. SIO rating was 252. Special broadcast for Easter, Way of the Cross. Sermons in Latin and their English translation were broadcast. Follow the Bible Ministries via Ascension was received on 11660 kilohertz on April 5th from the sign on at 1900 to the sign off at 1929 UTC in English. SIO rating was 353. Bible study was aired. ID was given at 1926. Finally, Japan Shortwave Club will issue the QSL cards for the correct reports on our segment of WaveScan program. We are issuing QSL card by email to the report sent by email. Our address for your email report is jswcqsl.live.jp. I repeat, jswcqsl.live.jp. We continue to issue the printed QSL card by the same system as before. Your report should be addressed to JSWC PO Box 44 Kamakura, which is K A M A K U R A, postal code 248-8691, Japan. One ILC or two US dollars for return postage will be appreciated. For this edition of DX Report, we would like to thank Mr. Yoshiaki Hayashi, Mr. Iwao Nagatani, Mr. Takashi Morishita, and Mr. Chiaki Shimada for sharing the information with us. Thank you for listening, and please join us for our next edition of DX Report of Japan Shortwave Club. I'm Yukiko Tsuji in Tokyo. Thank you, Yukiko. In recent weeks, we've been bringing you some of the music from Cambodia that we brought back from a recent trip there.、Uh, this is、uh, very interesting music、uh, played on the Nine Gong Gamelan. And with this Gamelon music, we end this edition of WaveScan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio. Researched and written in Indianapolis by Adrian Peterson. Next week, the beginning of a regular radio broadcasting service in Vanuatu. More from the HFCC in Malaysia and our Philippine DX report. Several QSL cards are available for WaveScan. Send your AWR and KSDA reception reports for the program to the AWR address in Bangkok and also to the station your radio is tuned to. WRMI or WWCR or KVOH or Voice of Hope Africa or to IRRS Italy or the AWR relay stations that carry wave scan. And remember, you can send a reception report to the DX reporters when their segment is on the air. Here in the program, they will also verify. With their own colorful QSL card. Return postage and an address label are always appreciated. The email address for AWR QSLs is qsl 
at awr.org. And the postal address for AWR QSLs is Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 234, Prakadong, that's P-R-A-K-A-N-O-N-G, Bangkok 10110, Thailand. Again, that's Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 234, Prakadong, Bangkok 10110, Thailand. The email address for other correspondence to WaveScan other than reception reports is wavescan at awr.org. I'm Jeff White at WRMI in Okeechobee, Florida. Till next week, good listening, everyone. <laughs>